Before we get into the episode, we'd just like to mention that due to the current global pandemic, we are conducting some of our discussions with guests on online mediums and therefore there might be some inconsistencies in audio quality in the conversations. Thank you so much for your understanding. Please note that the topics, issues and areas discussed in this podcast may cause distress to some listeners, as well as the possible use of bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Addressing the Elephant, the Mental Health Podcast. My name is Rachel, and thank you for joining me in having a conversation and creating spaces to have conversations about mental health. This is part what is it now part five of six in my collaboration podcast collaboration with IACAT the Irish Association of Creative Art Therapists today's episode I am talking to Jessica and Leslie uh, who are two music therapists um, working in Ireland yeah and we're just chatting about all things music therapy and explaining what music therapy involves and and I think talking about how yes people can use music for you know, personal reasons to help them get through things. But there's a difference when it comes to music therapy. So we have a good chat about that. Uh, so let's kick into it. And I hope you enjoy. Leslie and Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we kind of get cracking into kind of what music therapy is and all that sort of stuff, maybe you could both introduce yourselves. Tell us a bit about who you are, your background and that sort of thing. Um, my name is Leslie Wren and I'm a music therapist. I live in Dublin. And I actually, obviously, as you can tell from my voice, I'm originally from the US. I did my undergraduate degree in music education in choral music education and opera performance, and then ended up doing a master's later in life as a non-traditional student in music therapy at uh, the University of Kansas. And then we have to, in the United States, a little bit different than, than here in Ireland. So you have to do a seven month internship at the end of your studies. And then there is um, a certification test you have to take in the States to become a music therapist. So I did my internship here in Ireland and then I did my certification test back in the States and then came here and married a dub and here I am. So I, I love all kinds of music and um, I still perform I sing with the RTE Philharmonic Choir and then also play trad music primarily on harp and and voice so that's kind of who I am. So I I also started on the music performance route so oboe is my um, was my first instrument I did my BA at the academy here and then went on to do a master's in uh, London at the uh, Royal College of Music and then life kind of took a different focus for me music therapy was kind of something that had always been on my radar because I recognized in myself there were so many aspects of music that were just so vital to me in terms of my development, in terms of my friendships, in terms of my the confidence in my development of my identity, really. Um, there were so many aspects of music and playing music with friends, for example, in you know, in the youth orchestras, national youth orchestra here, and then and then depping in the symphony orchestras and concert orchestras. There were so many aspects of that that were so vital to me that really I had been very aware of, of the vital nature of playing music and making music with people in particular. But then really life kind of pushed me into that music therapy focus when, uh, when my sister, who happened to be in Canada, and uh, my sister happened to be in a traffic accident there. And thankfully she's miraculous and wonderful and um, doing fabulous things today. 
but that kind of changed my focus. I had still been living in London at that stage, just finished my um, master's at the Royal College. And I came home and embarked um, the very next year on my music therapy degree. It's really so. that you're, you talk about how music therapy came into your life because I was actually the reason I found out, I didn't know anything about music therapy until I moved to Kansas randomly. And I was working at the University of Kansas in the School of Music and I was a, a undergraduate recruiter. So I would talk to kids who were coming out of secondary school that were going into university and, and weren't sure what to major in. And so they were interested in music. And then I would talk to them about auditions and being a music major and what you could do with that and the different degrees. And, and KU happened to have a really well-known in the States, um, one of the first music therapy programs like since 1946 was when they started their program, um, their degree program there. I was, I used to joke that I was such a good recruiter. I recruited myself into the music therapy oh. program, um, but I went part-time. And so I was, I was talking to prospective students and then I would, you know, clock out and I would go down the hall and take a class. And it became kind of funny because some of the students that I recruited, they had some courses where they would be in the class with me and they'd kind of look at me sideways and say, why don't you just, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> Um, so I didn't know anything about music therapy. Strangely enough, like it, it took a really long time for me to kind of find out about it. And then once I did, like you were saying, Jess, about the, you know, the way that it just kind of really fit in with who you were as a musician and, and, and how, how you related to music, you know, the, the communal aspect of music and the way that the way that music makes you feel and the way that when you're, you know, it's not necessarily the performance because there's all that stuff that leads up to the performance as a, you know, as a musician. So it was that kind of thing that drew me into it. The more I thought about it, the more I talked about it, I thought, well, this is kind of the perfect way to use music in my life to help other people. Yeah, that's, an, that sounds like such a wonderful perspective, Leslie. Like I'm just imagining that you really had almost like a bird's eye perspective on on how you could transform your music career to become a music therapist. You know, you had such amazing insight because I, I actually work, I run a clinic through the Royal Irish Academy of Music, among other things. So I operate the, the music therapy um, program there. But um, one of the things I'm very passionate about is showing these, you know, these incredibly talented young musicians that there are so many pathways to a music career and, and um, you can have so many different wonderful aspects and strands. And I think that it's also vital that you keep up your own music because that mm -hmm. is offering something yeah. that we need as musicians, you know, yeah. making music with people is something that I would say that I need. And I, I feel that from you too, Desi, that it's something yeah. we need. And so to keep that side of part of yourself fulfilled so that we're able to offer ourselves fully to clients and not trying to fulfill anything within us that needs meeting is really important. So um, it's been, it's been, that's been the hardest challenge during the pandemic, you know, for, for me as a person is the lack of being able to make music, you know, you can't, there's, there are so no much. sessions down the pub, you know, every, you know, every week or singing yes. in a choir, like singing in a choir is like the most dangerous thing you can do now. And that so that, and that, and, and you also think about that aspect for the people that we work with, you know, the, that especially um, I, I primarily work with children and lately because of my own experience, um, I have a, a four-year-old with, with Down syndrome and because of having her, I've actually kind of specialized now in working with children with Down syndrome because it's an area I'm very familiar with and, and I really relate to the kids um, that I, that I work with. So 
what I find is, is they have been missing, especially the older kids. They really, you know, because they used to have this kind of interaction, they used to be able to have music classes and, and, and various things that they did. And all of a sudden that was taken away from them. And, you know, that's been, that's been really hard. So, you know, kind of moving online has been, has been interesting because it's, you know, it's Zoom is not a great place for, you know, collaborative music making, but you kind of, you know, you kind of work around in different ways. And I only just recently started being able to see clients, um, you know, kind of in, in very small groups and one-to-one. And that's been really lovely and, and to see how they, how much they needed that as much as, as we do as, as therapists and as musicians, you know, that, that they really needed that. It's funny, isn't it? Like I, I I was actually really considering this and having a conversation with a friend recently. It's almost like music is too essential. And that's why sometimes it gets in the, when the government considers their programs and what they're going to bring back, it's almost like it's too essential. So they know that people will continue making music because they have to, because because they need to, because it's in them, because it's part of how we develop. It's part of our society. It's part of how how we as human as humans connect with each other. Mm-hmm. How I mean, there, there's so many aspects of my life and development that are kind of met through making music with others like it's almost like we're too essential so when they consider things like going back to sing together in choirs or meeting together in music groups it's almost like it's it's almost like it's almost too essential they they feel confident that that this will continue because that's who we are we're humans and human nature is we make music like we're living breathing musical people everybody is are we're musical beings like we have heartbeats we have breath we have movement so much of us can be a foundation in music um, and so much of how humanity developed is through music. So it's almost like it's too essential nearly. I don't, yeah. I don't know how else to, to describe that. As an, as an outsider, you know, someone who I've only lived in Ireland for six years or so, Ireland is, is an inherently musical culture in mm-hmm. terms of, and, you know, not just talking diddly eye, you know, what have you, I'm talking about in general, there is so much music. There is, you know, it is, it's, it's an essential thing. It's something, you know, that is, is so ingrained in culture here and in life here, you know, that if you walk around in an, in a town, you know, in the summer in the U S you're not going to find musicians in every bar, you know, you're not going to find live music happening. You're not going to find the sheer number of, you know, kind of musical activities that take place on a daily basis. And there is, you know, there's something that that's really lovely about that here. And then, but then again, the lack of that and the fact that that's been kind of taken away, you know, I think profoundly kind of alters how, how I perceive things, how I see things, you know, when I, it was strange, I was in town, I was in Dublin uh, last weekend and it was just, you didn't see the buskers and you didn't see, you know, that sort of thing. So you didn't have that experience that you normally do when you're walking in town. Mm-hmm. And it just felt very different. It felt very alien. It felt very kind of not the same. So um, I do think, you know, I hope I'm, I'm, my, my fingers are crossed that, that we can, as we, as we can kind of progress to normality, whenever that is, that, mm-hmm. you know, that there is some, you know, some support and some help, you know, to make sure that that part of the culture is not lost that that part. Oh, oh, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I think, as I said, like, it is essential, and it is vital, just as you're describing, Leslie. But I think I've also been surprised as well, because I think it's, it's kind of really important to stress 
the clinical nature of what we do and, and the evidence-based, it has such a strong foundation um, in terms of the, the evidence surrounding how we use music. Mm-hmm. As just as Leslie's describing, like we, we, we can use music as a huge motivational factor to work on goals on in every level of our lives and development. So it could be around you know, our emotional expression, our emotional communication, it could be around communication of every level. It could be, for example, our social communications, it could be around our social cues, turn taking, following directions, could be around our speech and language, our physio work. And I guess we have, we, as, as I said, we have a huge body of evidence supporting our work. So a lot of our work is actually in a very clinical sense. And then, mm. then I also see that the aspect of music, which is like what I call the magical aspect of music, which is, which I still believe is unquantifiable because what happens in our brains when we listen and make music is just incredible. And we can see it now through MRI scans and CAT scans that it's, it's like this mega fireworks going off in our brains, this, this, this mega workout for our brains that really we can't get from any other discipline or modality or activity because they researched it because we know now it's all all the features inherent in, in making music and in making music with someone, all the emotional aspects that we're reading and cues that we're reading all the rhythms that we're unpacking and processing the pitches that we're unpacking and processing the memories that we might be connecting while we're making music and all those aesthetics that are firing in our brains as well that say we love this piece of music this is fabulous and all this creates these amazing fireworks and actually I have to say like on an individual basis for individual sessions I have initially when when lockdown started I didn't know how I was going to transfer my work online. I just didn't know how that was going to happen. I just thought, how am I going to connect to people in the same way through a screen? How am I going to find that dynamic and that connection and that communication through a screen? How is that going to happen? But actually, it's been uh, far more, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different. It's definitely really different. But I've been delighted in what I've discovered as well. It's definitely been a bit of a voyage of discovery in terms of in terms of how how my work has changed moving online. And I suppose from me as a I wouldn't be I wouldn't class myself as a musician. I'd class myself as musical. I know for even me, I can understand and I can acknowledge and see the benefit that music has had on my mood over the over the years or stuff like or even you know in times of overwhelm like I'll throw on a a song or I'll play the ukulele or something like that so from an untrained kind of I don't have you know the musician background or I don't have like a music therapy background I can even see the benefit of it um but I suppose if we're trying to understand like what what is music therapy when we're talking about music therapy what what kind of is it what what does it involve I know that's kind of probably a loaded question to throw out at you my kind of speech, my, my elevator speech tends to be, you know, it's music therapy. It's, it's the use of music by a trained qualified music therapist. That's the important. The therapeutic connection is really important. Um, so, I know a lot of people say music is my therapy and that, that of course for you personally, that's great. But, but as a therapist, you have to, you know, that, that, that relationship. So um, it, music therapy is the, the use of music and that can be playing, that can be creating, that can be listening, that can be experiencing however you, however, whatever works for that person. And you're going to, you're going to use music to improve or maintain any sort of goals that you have, like Jess was talking about, like your, your 
cognitive functioning, your emotional, your social functioning, your communication, your motor skills. So we're using music and the, and the end result, it's not a performance. It's not, it's not that they're going to be this great drummer. Um, it's the idea that you're going to use music to address these other areas in their, in their life. So that the end result is I, that they're going to improve or maintain functioning in, in, in a myriad of different things. And the really cool thing about music therapy is that you can use music to address so many different areas. So it's, it's not just one thing. It's not just for, for mood elevation. It's not just for, you know, kind of emotional. It's, it's not just communication. It's not just cognitive. It's not just physical. You can, you can use music to address all of these areas. So as a music therapist, it's really cool because we can work with physiotherapists and we can work with occupational therapists and we can work with speech therapists. And so, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of like the Swiss army knife, <laughs> kind of like, like a therapeutic Swiss army knife, you know, you can kind of get in here and you can get in here and mm-hmm. you can get in here. So I, I just, that's what I love about it is that, and, and every person that you work with is going to be different. And every person is going to have different likes of music and different dislikes. And they're yeah. going to have things that worked for them and things that don't really work for them. So as a therapist, it's always really really challenging. Sometimes, you know, when you get a new client, you're like, Oh, you know, what's going to work for them. And you have all these things planned. And then you come in and they're (laughs) like, no, I don't like this poof. And everything changes. And you, you kind of have to work with whatever it is, but that relationship that you build with the person, that is what is going to make the difference. And, and you're using music as your tool to, to get to those. I think that's so beautifully said, Leslie. And I think what you said there about how music therapy can look so different with different people, you know, and it, with different people with different needs across the ages, across, across abilities. I mean, and that's, that's part of the beauty of it is that it's so responsive. And I think for me, it, there's, it, there's similarities with um, so many other like we said, so many other professions, and uh, but I, I think it can be it can be like psychotherapy through music, but it can also be like a, a conversation, a musical conversation, and you can imagine like when people lose their words or they can't find them, or you're you're a young person and you might not have the words to process something that you are trying to manage or or live with in your life, and you can express that through music or you can have that conversation through music where you feel heard both in the connection that you experience with the person and in the musical feedback that you're getting and the support that you feel from that musical feedback, that you have this musical conversation with someone and the connection with the person that you're having that conversation with, that you feel so heard, you can imagine the impact that that can have on someone. So that could be called improvisation. So that's, that is that musical conversation, that spontaneous music making. I use a lot I use that a lot in my sessions, but sometimes my sessions are completely different. So some people, some young people might need a little bit more structure at at several parts during their session time. So it might look like games, but these games are specifically, I suppose, designed to to encourage and enhance our speech and language skills, for example, or our communication skills, or our social skills, or our imagination skills, or maybe I'm working with you know, maybe in a a slightly older population, people who are experiencing dementia or Alzheimer's, and maybe the connection they need is through, is through their memory stimulation and a really familiar song that they really love. 
um, or maybe it's movement, maybe it's dancing around, or maybe it's maybe stimulating cognitive function, like reminding themselves of a song that has the name of a flower in the title. Uh, or maybe the, the movement combined with the music is really stimulating their minds to, to cross both globes, both hemispheres of their brains. And that's really bringing them back their authentic self in a way that really is really unique to music as well. So I hope all that made sense. But, <laughs> but, but music therapy can look very different with, with, each, with each person that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And we have that, that phase at the beginning that we call the assessment phase, which is really us working out together how we're responding to the music, how someone is responding to us um, and how we can respond to their needs and, and, and how our music making can be specific to their needs and the awareness that we have of how it is specific to someone's needs. Because I, I think that, that is another crucial aspect of what we do is that we have that awareness around what it is that's, that, that is someone is doing when they're making music with us. And I think that's a, a key point in the sense that um, even with all of the different creative art therapists I've spoken to is this isn't just about going in and playing music. It's not just in about going in and having a sing song. There is like a therapeutic process to it. And how you'd mentioned like, you know, some people can't verbalize in words. I, I've done talk therapy before and I know I chose the words until I had that relationship. I was choosing what I did. Yet when I get into a creative medium, sometimes I just can't like control what's coming up for me because I'm channeling through another medium but I think it's important like you said to identify that this is a therapeutic sense it's not about just going in having a sing song having a little play on the drum it's not about it's not necessarily a fun there there could be a fun element to it shall we say but it is a therapeutic process and it is helping people to to grow and to process and um you know work through stuff that they've been dealing with you know, getting to those emotions and getting to those feelings and getting people to express them, you know, no matter what their age is, no matter what their situation is. I think that's one of the things that's really, really interesting. I've been using a lot of songwriting lately, um, even with my, my youngest kids in groups. And you would be surprised the kind of things that you can kind of tease out of someone when you're putting it in the aspect of, you know, you're working on a song, you know, and, and then the sense that, when they when they come when we come back and they they sing the song and they see the lyrics that they created that are about their lives that are about their story and then you know you can see the the recognition and the fact that they understand you know that's me i see myself in that and you know i like the relationship too between the, initially i might have had someone who wasn't terribly you know kind of thought it was silly didn't think it was something they wanted to do and then they go through this process and at the end, the change in them in terms of what you see at the end is just, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Just that, that progress to see them. I don't know. There's an ownership there. I think in a lot of ways, you know, that, that, you know, the validation of your feelings and validation of your emotions. And it just, it was a really lovely experience to, to do that recently. And, and um, one of the things I love about being a music therapist is when you've, gotten to the core of something and and you know you get that reaction um it's just so wonderful to see mm-hmm. it's a privilege it's a it's a privilege to be able to do that i think witnessing someone's authentic self really there i think oliver sacks called it a quickening when he was describing how for example someone with dementia could be if could be impacted by music um but really it's it's someone's authentic core true self well self coming through 
and it is a beautiful thing to witness and then to see other people who may be close to that person also witnessing that and to see them seeing seeing their loved one in a new light or maybe their peers seeing them in a new light or maybe their communities and I I think that's like I and I know that that um what Leslie does and I hope what I do is that we hope that the impact that we make within our sessions will carry through to how they interact people are interacting with their families with their peers with their communities because really we want we want to um we want the impact to last outside of the sessions that we hold together and mm -hmm. and to be impactful in their lives outside of that too to have that wider um ripple effect so i suppose when we're talking about music therapy like you, you've kind of explained about about the process and stuff like that and I I suppose can you walk us through like if someone walked in for an appointment or I know it's very unique and it's very individual and I absolutely 100% understand that but is it kind of like do people need to be musical to come in and do a, a session of music therapy I wouldn't think so and I can see Leslie here shaking your head <laughs> um but I suppose I I'm just conscious that I use a lot of creative mediums in a lot of the work that I do and people say to me all the time like oh but I'm not creative or I'm not artistic or I'm not I haven't done drama before I'm like so what just go with it and I suppose it's 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 breaking down that and realizing that anyone can avail of a creative therapy such as music therapy so I suppose I don't want to say what are the requirements shall we say for someone to attend music therapy but who might it benefit is there an expectation to you know be a grade eight cellist or anything like that coming into a music therapy session 100% not 100% not I no, the only uh, thing would be that you don't if, if you if you have an aversion to music, if you really hate music and you don't like music <laughs> at all, then probably music therapy is not the best creative <laughs> art therapy for you. And you might want to try something different. But I don't yeah. really know. I've never come across anyone who didn't. You might be very rare. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty, just as Leslie described um, so perfectly as well. Like it, it's about the process. It's about all the everything that happens while we're making the music together and the connections that we're making while we're making the music together and the goals that we're meeting while we're making the music together and how making music together is making us feel so it's about all that stuff really and um but there's so you know there's so many ways you can interact you know in a session you know with someone so even if they're they're not comfortable singing or they're not comfortable usually you know you, you put a big drum in front of someone they're going to want to hit it. I mean, it's kind of human nature, you know, it's a drum must hit, you know, you just, you want to do it. Um, you know, a couple of shakers, you know, a maraca or two, that, that sort of thing. You can start off with instrument playing. Um, you know, not everyone likes to sing. Not everyone is comfortable singing. Um, and so there's not a requirement that you have to do this, that, or the other. And then, you know, sometimes I've worked with clients who were wonderful musicians, you know, in their own right and, and really comfortable. I've worked with clients who just you know are, are shy and and you know at the beginning especially not comfortable so that's why you 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 can there's so many ways you can use music I mean it can even just be you know analyzing you know lyric lyric analysis of something that that means something to them and then you can you can go from there um, you know so there is there there can be some listening but the active music making can take so many different forms that you know you don't have to you don't have to understand what a treble clef is or you know mm -hmm. anything like that and, and I think you brought up something really brilliant, which is the anticipatory factor in music, yeah. you know, because like, just like you said, put a drum in front of someone. I mean, you're going to want to hit that drum, but also 
all the pitch structures and rhythm structures inherent in music just mean that you can create music where people need to jump in you know if you think of someone maybe singing a scale and leaving a note out you're gonna go oh I just have to I just have to fill that note or you know you think of a rhythm and you think oh I just have to jump in with that rhythm you know there's the all this is inherent in music that that kind of anticipatory pull and that can be really useful and really important as well in what we do but I think it's also um, for me as again, I'm not a music therapist, but I think my interpretation or understanding is like it's not necessarily that um, that the end result of going to music therapy is to have this music piece or to have these music skills. But it's to use this as a tool. So like if you're going in banging that drum, it could be I'm frustrated as heck with everything and I'm releasing it through this process that happens to be making a sound and happens to be musical um but I suppose it's just kind of saying that it, it's not like I think we've just kind of said that you know creating this music and I think for me when you say creating music my brain goes to this lovely sounding beautiful orchestral piece of music or one of my favorite songs but really it could be me just screaming and banging a drum and that's what I need. And that's the the release that I need at that time. And to, to help me process uh, through whatever um, I'm, I'm going through. And that media or music is just the medium to, to help us get to what we're trying to process. I like that example. Exactly. And, you know, playing playing the drum can be a huge energy releasing uh, way of making music. And, you know, sometimes we need those those rhythmic structures around us to sort of help us feel that sense of safety and and containment and where we are and sometimes we just need to let loose and go you know what we're just gonna we are just gonna make music the way it feels right right now and um, we need to be released from those um those feelings of containment around us so I guess rhythm is another another structure around music that we can that we can develop or choose to experiment with and yeah, I liked your example. I mean, playing the drum can 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 be so cathartic and energy releasing. We can choose to play the drum with others. We can choose to play the drum within a rhythmic structure. Or we can choose to let loose and let go of that rhythmic structure. And yeah. I think the idea of structure and the idea of support, you know, as a therapist, you know, when you have that that person in your session, you know, who is wailing on the drum and screaming, you know, I might at that point just pick up a guitar and start really like you know hammering a strum you know make it a you know give them that support give them that that validation of of yes you know i feel it i understand i hear you and you can do that musically you know as well you know that the, you can provide that kind of structure underneath you can you know mm. help them you know see that this is just you know this is something that we all feel so it's it's yeah. that I love that idea Jess of structure and 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 the way that you can use music you know to kind of you know kind of give them support you know it's almost a physical thing I often think about that because sometimes it's a supportive act to be to have that structure around us that containment and sometimes it's it's more liberating people need to ex- experiment and be outside of that um, but also I think you've highlighted like the kinds of decisions that we make responsively every second yeah. in many seconds really 
another part of how our music and our brains function but like we're making decisions about how to support people musically how to be with people musically what you know how we can musically accompany people in milliseconds you know what kind of what kind of chord does someone need here what kind of what kind of musical support will I play on the piano right now does someone need me to mirror them and match them and be with them in this moment or does someone need me to be the antithesis of that to provide the stable platform for them to uh for them to base for a foundation for their music you know so like we're kind of making those decisions in the moment every second or every millisecond and that's really the difference you know when you have you've probably all seen that you know oh we give ipods or you know whatever to to seniors and put a bunch of you know music on it for for older population you know and and we give them earphones and then that's great you know like that that whole thing a few years ago that was very very popular and and that's that's the difference i mean you know because you have to as a therapist make those decisions know when to let them you know know when to join them know when to pull them back um we have this thing you know this this iso principle that we have music therapy you know you 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 meet them where you are and then you take them to a different place, you know, so you know, if somebody's, you know, angry and frustrated, you're not going to start with a gentle song. You have to take them and lead them to that spot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, a, that's what a, a, you know, digital recording of some music and headphones that can't do that. And that can't do, you know, that can't say, you know, even though this person might be in their eighties, they may not like the music that you assume people in their eighties are going to like. They mm. may have something completely different that they enjoy. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's something that, you know, it's, and it's wonderful, you know, music is not saying that music can't be used by someone who isn't a music therapist, but it's a different, it's music therapy is, is really wrapped up in, in being as a therapist, being able to understand where that person is and knowing how to safely bring them where they need to go mm-hmm. and 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 how you do that where you know yeah. recordings don't do that and and people just going in and playing music is a lovely thing you know in hospitals that's that's great I'm not saying that that's not great it's not music therapy but it's a, it's a wonderful use of music but everybody has such different you know you'd, you'd be amazed at the differences you know you go in thinking you know i've got this client and they're gonna like this and everyone has a different <laughs> has different things that they like and different things that they enjoy and so that's our job is to is to help use the music in the proper way and mm-hmm. and to do it you know so that we are not causing them harm or upset or anger that we're that we're helping release that and take them to a more you know the the place they need to go yeah and i think like um i think one of the questions again that we ask ourselves on a millisecond basis is why like if I'm singing a familiar or pre-composed song like I'm, I'm asking myself why is it because this is for someone who's this is going to stimulate their uh, their memory is this a special song for them that I can share with them together is this a song that that mo- motivates someone to take part in movements or stimulate someone's memory or cognition or or that they enjoy uh, or, or that gives them the structure to use instruments with this song that's the kind of awareness that we I guess that we use as music therapists all, all the time on a you know on a very um on a micro basis in our sessions because we're always responding and we're making these split decisions and um we just are 
coming with with the awareness of the dynamics and the and the connection of the client always as well and I think that's a key like you said the whole time that's a key differentiation between using music as a tool for yourself and actually using music therapy as a therapeutic process it like if people were to to look for a music therapist in Ireland like how widely available is music therapy in Ireland music therapy is becoming more widely basically more music therapists are becoming employed every day really in Ireland I mean it's it's only going from strength to strength we have, as I said before, a huge body of evidence to support our work. We work in a very clinical, um, in a clinical means. You know, we are we're trained through through our music therapy masters wherever in the world we've done it, and um, we have a, a very unique awareness. And as I said, music has um, is a unique modality in um, in the goals that we can reach with our clients and and in. And in how we respond to music, musical conversations, to how our brains respond to music. I mean, yes, we're we're still on the path towards statutory regulation here, which means basically that we're working towards recognition uh, and protection for the profession, for ourselves and for the clients we work with. But if you want to find a music therapist, there are a whole bunch of fabulous music therapists. And um, there's a list uh, we are both, myself and Leslie, we're both ICAT council members at the moment, which is the Irish Association of Creative Arts Therapists. Um, and on their website, www.iacat.ie, you will find a whole list of fabulous music therapists, um, uh, probably very near to you, because there's a whole bunch of wonderful music therapists graduating every year from UL here in Ireland and from all around the world. Uh, possibly coming back to work in Ireland um, so we have some incredible music therapists operating uh, in the country and more and more I'm hearing about freshly newly qualified music therapists who are going straight into strong roles strong positions in in hospitals in you know in all sorts of healthcare healthcare facilities and centers so yeah I think we're going from strength to strength um, some people have done a huge amount of work on statutory recognition as well in the past. And um, and we are trying to keep up the momentum for that as well, because that that could be really important. That means that um, nobody else is, except someone who has qualified an accredited music therapy course uh, could call themselves a music therapist. Because as we as as we just as we distinguished you know, it's it's a it's a very it's a very different awareness and a unique profession, and unique skills that we have honed through our through our education. Um, so that would that would mean a lot, really. That would be that would be really really uh, important for us. And you know, it is in in other countries around the world, uh, music therapy does have that uh, that distinction and that recognition. Um, and there's some people who have done incredible work on the way, music therapists particularly who have done some incredible, in Ireland who have done some incredible work on the way towards that. The thing I was going to say is that with music therapy, with here in Ireland, with ICAT, you know, all of our members, you know, they all have qualification of master's level degree. And then there's a requirement of continuing education. So there's continuing professional development every year. There's supervision. So there's things that while we don't yet have the statutory recognition, you know, the, the organization itself is, is working to ensure that, that anyone who is a member, you know, they have to meet very, very high standards. So that's something that I think is 
really important, you know, when you're looking for, for finding someone to work with yourself or with a, a family member that, that you understand that, that, you know, it's not just someone saying, you know, putting up a shingle and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a music therapist. And these are people who have actually done a lot of training and continuing professional development and, and, and are held to a high standard. So. For sure. So ICAT is the place to find someone, basically. Everyone you find on, on ICAT will be is accredited, qualified, is meeting those, those standards to be accepted into mm-hmm. ICAT. So that's I-A-C-A-T. Yeah. Because the last thing I would want if I was to go to a music therapist was to land in with my, you know, my trauma, my emotion and all that and have someone who can't Meet respond that. to it or who yeah. can't help me with that. They're just like, okay. Let's, let's play another song and I'm just like now I've brought all of this up and you can't support me with it and I think that is a key thing of when you're looking for a professional you do need to find someone who is trained and who has the background to support you like you need um, and like you said Jessica all the creative art therapists in Ireland you will find them on IACAT. Jessica and Leslie thank you so much for chatting with me and you know having this conversation with me today all about music therapy and such if people wanted to find out more information about you or find out who you are what you do where might they find you on the socials Uh, for me uh, this is Leslie for me I would say go to www.iacat.ie and um, you can look up my profile there and all the information you need is right there Thank you. Well, um, I just have a, a shiny new website uh, that I'd love to tell you about. It's www.mindmusic.ie, Mind Music. And also you can find me on Jessica Harris Music on Facebook. And also I'm a council, along with Leslie, I'm very proud to be a council member of ICAT. So you can also search me out there as well. Well, yeah. that's great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to this episode with me uh, talking with Jessica and Leslie. As I said at the start, this is part of a series with IACAT talking about all things creative art therapy. This is part five out of six. The next episode is the last in the series where I talk to Keshet, Verad and Boaz who are expressive art therapists and that will go through, that will close out our journey on uh, the creative art therapies with IACAT. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've been enjoying the series so far. Um, if you've missed any of them, be sure to just check back wherever you're listening to this now. As always, if you want to get in touch with The Green Elephant, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook, which is at thegreenelephant.ie, on Twitter at greenelephantmh, um, and then we also have a website, www.thegreenelephant.ie. Um, thank you for listening, thank you for joining, and we'll talk to you next time. Address the elephant in the room. Your mental health matters. <laughs>